Welcome to Interviews for Resistance. We are now into the second year of the Trump administration, and the last year has been filled with ups and downs, important victories, successful holding campaigns, and painful defeats. We've learned a lot, but there's always more to learn and more to be done. In this now weekly series, we talk with organizers, agitators, and educators, not only about how to resist, but how to build a better world. I am Sarah Jaffe, your host. My name is Eve Stotland. I'm the Director of Legal Services at The Door, a center of alternatives in New York City. So we're talking because there's a lot of emotions running really high and there's a lot of sort of confusion about what's actually going on with the Trump administration's new and some not so new immigration policies. So let's start out really basic and and talk about what is going on that is in the headlines that is getting everybody so intensely angry right now. Sure. So there are a few things going on, and I think that some of them are getting conflated. So it's really helpful to pull them apart. One thing that is absolutely going on is that the U.S. government, and very specifically Customs and Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement, these are two agencies that are in charge of policing our borders and immigration, enforcing our immigration laws. These agencies are, when they detain families, when they're arresting families at the border for violating immigration laws, they are separating parents and children. Now, some of this is new and some of it is not new. Yep. So it's a surprise to a lot of people that I talk to that the U.S. has been detaining, meaning prison, putting Um, families who violated immigration law in prison. It's called immigration detention, but let's remember it's prison for many years. Right. So that's not new. Right. Um, Also, immigration has been detaining children for many years. Also, immigration just has been jailing a lot of people. In fact, I think there's something like 34,000 beds um, for a lot of years. And what's new here is that um, really immigration did not have a policy at the border of separating parents and children. And that is something that's developed recently. It's Mm -hmm. hard to track exactly when it started because the federal government is not being honest about it. One day they say there's no new policy. The next day they say there is a policy. Then mm-hmm. Trump blames the Democrats for the policy. Yeah. Um, the the amount of intentional misinformation that's going out there is really um, uh, intense. But what we do know, because people at the border, including the ACLU, have been tracking this and have brought a lawsuit about it, is that absolutely at least 600 parents and children have been separated in recent months at the border. So this is getting this story and this story of 1,500 young people who are not currently being tracked or able to be found by um, the the Border Patrol, right? That um, So these are getting sort of conflated, and a lot of people are, are justifiably angry and upset. But sort of, can we go through that story as well and talk about the, the questions of, like, who is, who are these children that are missing and yeah. what is happening there? Yeah, so there is, the federal government is doing 
so many terrible things to immigrants yeah. and specifically to immigrant children. So people yeah. should hold on to that anger. They yeah. are well-founded in that anger. If they're suspicious um, of how the federal government is treating immigration uh, children, they are right um, yeah. because it's very bad. However, yeah. one thing that the government is not doing is losing children. The government has not lost immigrant yeah. children. So yeah. what happens, um, and, and I really am uh, an expert in this. We've been doing this work at the door for um, many years. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this work over a course of 10 years, is that when children arrive at the border unaccompanied, yeah. they're taken first by um, immigration enforcement officials either Customs and Border Patrol or Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and they're mm -hmm. detained in pretty bad conditions right. in what are called hileras, which yeah. uh, the kids call them and the immigrants call them hileras. They're ice boxes, very mm -hmm. cold, and the ACLU just um, issued a report about mm -hmm. um, the level uh, of abuse by um, Customs and Border Patrol and ICE of children yeah in these um, hileras. Then the children yeah. go to another kind of detention center, which mm -hmm. is um, more like foster care. Um, mm -hmm. It's more humane, but don't forget, they are yeah. not free to leave. And when you're not free to leave, that's yeah. called detention. If they have a right. parent, that parent is not free to pick them up at that point. Yeah. So that's still detention. And then, wonderfully, they are released to the community. Yeah. And I say wonderfully because um, I have a 10-year-old daughter, yeah. and I believe that she is safest with me. Yeah. And we presume in this country, uh, both in our personal capacity and our laws and policies, that the best place for children, we should always presume that the best place for children is with their parents or, or broader families. Right. Um, that children do not belong in institutions. Um, they certainly don't belong in detention, um, but that they really belong in family settings. Um, and so the federal government um, has historically acknowledged that. And once they, the federal government could find a family, an appropriate yeah. family, usually a relative, sometimes a friend of the family, family friend, to right. place the children with, they'd do this. This person's called a sponsor. Right. So once the child's placed with the sponsor, that child, the government is still trying to deport that child, and the child will have right. to go to immigration court. But that child is no longer the responsibility of the federal government. And that is good, because yeah. who do we want responsible for our children? Family members responsible for children, not the right. federal government, especially not the enforcement branch of a federal government right. agency, right? Yeah. Um, so our children are much safer in their communities and in their families than they are with the federal government. They are much healthier with their families and communities than they are in detention settings. Right. But something that happens when you bring give children back to their families, when you unite them with their families, is that they go from one relative to another, or the relative moves and doesn't leave a forwarding address. Yeah. Or if the the parent or relative is undocumented, when mm -hmm. the authorities call up trying to find out what happened to this child, they don't call back yeah. because yeah. Um, they're very afraid 
of the federal yeah. authorities because and the, the federal authorities are doing all they can to encourage that fear. That's right. <laughs> people have watched all watched the same news. People who yeah. are against more immigration, people are for more immigration. Everybody hears people like um, uh, the Attorney General Jeff Sessions, President Trump. Um, right. Uh, Kelly, we hear them all saying you should be scared. So guess yes. what? People are scared. So yes. they don't want to be found. But it does not yes. mean that they have lost their children. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so now that we've disentangled yes. some of this a little <laughs> bit, um, I think one of the things that um, I've just been doing some reading up on this today and and yeah. looking back to sort of where the real crackdown on immigrants and the real criminalization of immigration mm-hmm. began. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the way that that policy has shifted? And it's obviously getting worse and more tending more towards criminalization under Trump. But this is a tendency that goes back a couple of decades now. Yeah, the, um, the government has had the right to charge people who enter without permission who enter the right. U.S., cross a border, or come through a port of entry without proper permission with a crime for many years. But right. it, it was a power that the government used quite sparingly. Um, mostly, it's more efficient and faster just to deport people, especially if we don't want to pay for their detention, mm-hmm. uh, which costs taxpayers money, um, and especially if the government's goal is to get people out of the United States and back home. Um, uh, There's already some due process rights and some bureaucracy um, that goes along with deporting people and a lot of uh, expense that goes along with deporting them. If you're going to do a criminal prosecution, it just adds to it, right? So the government's going to be detaining people for longer periods of time, paying for that for longer periods of time. Now you're not just doing an immigration prosecution, you're doing a federal criminal prosecution, you have an attorney on that, you have a, a judge. So it requires a lot of resources. Um, yeah. So the government only used to use it um, uh, when um, they had something um, somewhat extraordinary happening. Um, right. Now the government has decided to use it to terrorize um, families, and as a way to force separation of families. So there yeah. is no federal family criminal detention. Right. There are no such beds. Yeah. I'm not advocating for such beds, but there are no such <laughs> no. beds. Yeah. So if any person, immigrant or non-immigrant, is charged with a federal crime, and is going to be sent to a federal detention center for criminals or alleged criminals, they will not be able to take their children. And yeah. so by charging people whose um, crime is that they entered the country illegally, by charging them not just with illegal entry but a criminal act, mm-hmm. they, uh, the immigration um, officials and the federal government succeed in changing the the, the type of detention and ensuring that they are able to split up parents and children. We are rightly in the middle of a, a firestorm of anger about all of these things, and people yes. are planning marches and rallies and things. And so now that we've sort of pulled some of this apart, what can people do and what are the things that they should be 
thinking about as demands in this moment. Like, you know, great. We don't want to advocate the construction of a jail for the family. Right. So what are what are the things? What are are there any people who are in Congress or anything like that? pushing for things that would change this. I know Trump seems to be now backtracking and trying to blame the Democrats. So, like, what kinds of things can be done and what are the kinds of things that would actually be beneficial for people to direct their anger towards? Sure. I will absolutely suggest some concrete steps, but I want to start by saying that President Trump created this problem. Yes. And this problem could be resolved by him at any point. There is no law no statute, no case law that requires the government to charge families who enter without proper permission with a crime. And for years, most families were not so charged. And so this could end this moment if uh, the president and his cabinet decided that it could end this moment. It's really important for people to know that because there's so much misinformation. I do believe I'm an attorney, and I do believe in the rule of law. Sometimes when we advocate uh, for uh, more humane policies or humane policies, we have to get the law changed. Here we don't. The law is just fine. Um, We are advocating that people stop doing something that they absolutely can stop doing without any um, mm-hmm. a passage of, of legislation. So about the separation of parents and children, I think it's so important that people educate themselves because these issues are complicated and because there's a lot of misinformation going around. Some right. of it um, because uh, the issues are confusing and some of it intentional. That is, President Trump is lying about what is happening. So educating yourself and educating your friends is really important because we do have to know what the problem is before we can ask people to resolve it. Um, I think that um, understanding the importance of getting lawyers for children and families who are affected is very important. And supporting Mm -hmm. agencies that um, either provide legal representation to children and families who are impacted by these policies or Mm -hmm. provide social services, everything from counseling to medical care to um, emergency shelter Mm -hmm. for families. Because once they are released, if they are released, they are usually destitute. And they absolutely need community's help. Um, They will also spread out when they are released across the country. Um, So um, many of the families who are separated are Central American, and they're going to go to places where there are the strongest, most vibrant Central American immigrant communities, which include uh, New York, Texas, and California. So if you live in one of those states, um, almost for certain, there's a lot that you can do to serve this community and help this community right in your city or town. Um, When people are detained, it is very hard to help them. And that is one thing, um, that's something that's intentional. Right. When people are detained, they are being um, 
punished when they're detained and pulled away from their children, they're being tortured. But a whole nother thing happens that when people are detained, they're being taken away from people who could support or advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Right? They're being isolated. Yeah. Um, and so there are a few places that do wonderful detention-based work. That's very important. Um, And if you live near an immigration detention facility, Mm -hmm. um, and you can find a list on Immigration Customs Enforcement's website, if they will allow you to do any volunteer work with the people detained there, that is amazing. Um, they being the prison wardens, um, mm-hmm. some of whom run county jails, some of whom run state facilities, and many of whom run private for-profit prisons. <laughs> yeah, and so and so finally, people are yeah. organizing rallies mm-hmm. around this in New mm-hmm. York, I know, and in other mm-hmm. places. Um, and yeah, do you have any more information on that if people want to get involved? All right, so people who want to get involved who are in the New York City area can join the Jericho Walk this Friday at 5 p.m. at Foley Square, downtown Manhattan, and show their support for immigration, for fair immigration policies, for humane immigration policies, for immigrant um families and children. It would be very helpful if people would call their federal representatives and say stop separating immigrant families at the border. Children belong in their families and communities. They do not belong in foster care or in institutions. This is inhumane, and it has to stop. Great. And how can people keep up with you and your work? Sure. Uh, So I work at the door in New York City. People should uh, like our page or follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, and you'll see all about the work that we do representing immigrant children from all over the world um, and helping them build new, safe lives here in the United States. Interviews for Resistance is a project of Sarah Jaffe with assistance from Laura Fayabois and support from the Nation Institute. You can find more information at necessarytrouble.org. Thanks for listening.